0: Last week on the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete.
1: At that point in time, okay, he had shaved his head, so he didn't have that thing where he combed it all forward.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. All right,
1: <laughs> so. Look <laughs> uh, the, the, the
0: saga <laughs> of the hair of our co-workers. Yeah. yeah. So as you can tell, uh, Pete and I have been friends for a long time, 30-plus uh, years of uh, hair history, <laughs> We met in college and then ended up working together for a long time, watched people's heroines in <laughs> Uh We lost her in January of this year
1: at the oh, age wow. of 84. A nice long life and I'm sure she, uh, I'm sure she's went to heaven.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't know his name was Bob Smith. I didn't either. Bob Smith's like the guy, you know, down the street, you know, who waters his grass all the time, you know? No, that's
0: the name you give the cops when you don't want to give your real name. (laughs) (laughs) Hey baby, this is John John Smith. Smith. Yeah. (laughs) John Smith. I actually grew up with a kid named John Smith and he said if a, an adult asked him his name and he'd say John Smith now what's your real name
1: well I had I had Mr. Smith for microprocessors was oh, that his real name or was it it was his real name Professor
0: Wolfman <laughs> oh so, yeah I'm leaving it all up to them to say the title yeah it's Tony uh, and Marie
1: um, Even though Mr. McCartney didn't want Helen wheels released on the record, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. So it we shows are... what he knows about, about <laughs> making records. Yeah, guy yeah, knows <laughs> nothing
0: about music.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he let's
1: said see, let's see if I have that clip. Alright.
2: The art cream
0: and blind thing. Yep, then he went on to say <laughs> There's I don't not... have any more. Okay. <laughs> he went on to say I don't have any more. <laughs> yeah.
1: Tubular bells? Yeah. Really? <laughs> you know, you know, the problem with that is the most disturbing motion picture ever made. Yeah,
0: yeah. I picked number 85.
1: Really? <laughs> When's the last time you went to confession?
0: Yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe I'm looking for redemption. I'll tell you what though i i hadn't heard this in god knows god knows how
1: many, <laughs> years. <laughs> how now, many years you just got stricken to h-e-double hockey Stick, yes. man
3: it's the most wonderful time of the year.
0: Hello again, and welcome to the '70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, a show where two friends review a randomly chosen American Top Forty episode from the 1970s—the most interesting decade in pop music. My name is Mark Robeck, and with me is my friend and co-host Peter Gardo. Hello,
4: Peter. What's happening?
1: Merry, 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 merry Christmas, there, Mark. So uh, you know, Christmas is is uh, about the birthday of our Savior. But in a more secular world, it's, you know, it's about friends and family and gifts. And uh, at this point in time, uh, I don't have any gifts for you, except I got in the mail from you ah. a Christmas card. <laughs> and the Christmas card, for those of you watching on on Channel 18, is a postcard of the bought off Williams house with four little stickers around it with uh, gifts and bells and carolers and a, a VW uh beetle with a with a tree on it It looks like a like a little tree and it says merry christmas peter cheryl and julia mark roback and once again mark you use a full price stamp
0: yeah yeah well like i said gotta tip that mailman
1: (laughs) he works hard this time of year (laughs) yeah so uh so thank you for, for that so uh yeah you know things things get in the way sometimes we're uh we're supposed to have uh uh, some special guests that we kind of hinted on last week, and uh, things didn't work out due to uh, uh, schedules. Uh, these uh, these folks aren't retired like Mark or have uh, a vacation left over like I do to uh, uh, to eat up the time. So, like today, today I got the chipper out and I chipped a big pile of uh, brush that had been sitting around, but it was, uh, you know. We'll have them on, on, on another time. Yeah, but um, I tell you, so do you get the do you get the newspaper? I do not get the newspaper no. anymore. There's nothing better, nothing better that when you get the newspaper and you look. This is in the front of the uh, of the local section of the morning paper where we live. And as soon as I saw the photograph, I says, "That's that's my buddy Mike." Okay, and so Mike, who I've known for over 30 years, grew up in the town north of where I grew up. Is friends with lots of folks. He played broom hockey with us. He came to all our parties. He's it. It's December. It's late December, and he's still water skiing. All right. <laughs> and so he, he water skied last year or this year over 250 times, I think the paper says. Uh-huh. And uh, and so so far in 2022, he's he's over 250 days on the water and counting. Always aware of the potential number of days ahead until December thirty first. So, uh, and he puts out uh, every day on the Facebook thing. Even though I'm a digital minimalist, the thing pops up and says, "You know, here we are. You know, uh, uh, doing the water skiing." It's so uh, I I couldn't see the picture. So is he
0: in a Santa Claus suit water skiing? No, no, no. no. Okay, because I've seen that. Not I don't know that it's him, but I've seen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. It, and he does this right down the road from the plant at Rainbow Reservoir. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, oftentimes, what you'll have is, uh, is you'll open it up to the same section, and you'll see the obituaries. This was much better than, oh. than an obituary.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I have a bad habit. I mean, it's a good habit and a bad habit, right? Like you. You know, years ago, I started reading them, not in the morbid sense, but just it was like, you know, you you see some old friends and you ask them how their parents are doing and, you know, oh somebody passed away and you feel bad. So it was kind of for that aspect, (laughs) you know. Sadly, as we get older, you know, at, at some point it's it's your peers and things. But I, I got the bad habit of that's like the first thing I read in the morning when I get up. And I it's... thought the
1: first thing you read was Mary Worth. No,
0: I, I read Mary Worth after that to kind of make <laughs> me feel a little bit better.
1: <laughs> so uh you're getting all ready for for Christmas?
0: Um, yeah. So I I also got a, a Christmas card from you. I don't I didn't think to have it with me so it's not within arm's reach but very nice pictures of the family yeah i appreciate that and um did you study it did i study it why is there something in in the detail that i i need to uh need to look mm-hmm. at oh, mm-hmm. okay should i go get
1: it now <laughs> sure we can we can pause yeah we can we can edit <laughs> all right actually what while, while you go get it i gotta go move the laundry around oh. all right.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right so i got my handy dandy magnifying glass out i don't know if i'll need it or not so so what do you see so is that the Brooklyn Bridge behind you? And- yeah, that's not it. No.
1: Uh, it's a picture of my wife and myself. Just you and your oh,
0: okay, now now I see it. Yeah. So you've got <laughs> the, the famous golf shirt on that has has our old logo now. has
1: our old logo.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice that at all. I probably I probably would have noticed it if I studied it, you know a little more closely. I just mm-hmm. picked it up and was like, "Oh, nice pictures of the family," and then the <laughs> the, the dogs on the back. So, yeah, yeah, okay. So, I thought... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that's nice. So, uh, yeah, yesterday I went to uh, in in the big city. I went with our uh, loyal listener Dave K and his wife Barb to the. Polish National Home, which was unfortunately their last day of operation. Uh, they sold the building, and uh, I guess they're closing it. The, the, the real estate closing is the thirtieth, uh, so they're they're basically done. They're shutting down the place, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, my parents were actually that was where they had their uh, wedding reception. Uh, really? Yeah. So my my bachelor party was there. Ah. Yeah. I I went to more, uh, you know, more than a few uh, bachelor parties there as well or other events. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, so bittersweet, but had a good time. Food was good. It was really crowded. I think a lot of people, uh, yeah, wanted to get in the last hurrah. So, yeah. Good. Good. All right. So, uh, yeah. So Pete and I have been uh, friends for 30 plus years. We met in college and then ended up working together for a long time and um, in each each of these episodes we'll review all 40 songs in the chosen week's countdown and provide some factual information on each song as well as our personal opinions, stories and comments related to it at the end of the episode we'll provide our individual choices for the best and worst song a song that we think will torture the other guy that we've labeled the agonizer and we'll give our individual A-plus through F-grade for the entire countdown. Since nobody has the exact same taste in music, our opinions on individual songs may be controversial, but we otherwise intend to keep the conversation light, humorous, and hopefully entertaining. Remember, this is just a discussion, not a
1: competition, so please no wagering. All right, so today is episode 34 of the 7th Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, the American Top 40 from the week of December 25th. 1971 a very special episode there's no yes. place like the 70s for the holidays and so this episode and we'll get into a little bit more when we actually start is uh, the billboard chart had been around for 31 years at this time so that means it's now 83 years old i guess yeah. and uh <clears throat> and the water production along with casey they went through the top 40 christmas songs of all time yeah so this is uh
0: this is going to be interesting a a little different episode for us i i I think some of those things i just mentioned in the uh in the introduction we're not going to do at at the end in terms of the ratings (laughs) and things so uh you know scrap that but we'll we'll have a couple couple picks i think at the end and uh yeah yeah should be kind of cool absolutely
1: so uh what were you up to uh in late December 1971.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, man, no, no memories whatsoever. But this is very interesting because, uh, and it's unfortunate that our our special guests couldn't be here tonight because I think they'd get a kick out of this. So I have uh Gail's bi pad from the exact time frame. It's uh, this one costs 19 cents. It's a uh, green. It's pretty beat up, and when I opened it. She had some stuff taped in there and a a piece of, uh, what would it be, 51 years ago? 51 years ago. 51 years, 51-year-old tinsel. Oh, wow. Christmas tree fell out. So, But even more impressive than that. And let's see if you can have a look at that. Look at what she's got stuck across the page there.
1: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's a Dymo label in red that says Merry Christmas.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, and it's funny. So just reading through it, um, it looks like she had already had one of those label makers and she made that for Christmas. It, It actually says... This is what I, I made it on my label maker <laughs> and uh, just a, a page or two back. It looks like her and a friend of hers exchanged gifts and she gave her friend a label maker. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. So I was, uh, you know, th- this type of thing, it's almost like that someone sending you a message. When I opened that up, I, I, I was cracking up because like, wow, the timing of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: that's great. Beautiful. Well, um, so this point in time, I was in the first grade, and Christmas was on a Saturday, according to the date book. I pulled out my father's date book. And uh, one of the things on here on the 23rd, which was Thursday, it says Athenson, 11 or at 9 a.m. So was he seeing the Marigan about something? Yeah. But, you know, kind of empty around. Around the Christmas time, which means we didn't go anywhere, and I'll prove that in a little bit. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to uh show you on on uh, you know, when, when you go to uh folks' house back in the day, people would pull out their slides and you'd have slideshows, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I'm going to give you a little slideshow of about four or five pictures here from uh, uh that, that that I scanned from my father's collection, okay, and so. Right okay here we go all right so here's that little guy he's me all right oh wow blonde huh all right oh yeah yeah. oh yeah (laughs) and uh you know around this house there's blankets all over the place i guess there are no blankets so i'm underneath the uh (laughs) underneath the couch yeah it was a pillow yeah (laughs) and uh and then go to the next slide and this is uh thanksgiving So we're getting ready for Thanksgiving, and there's a lot of extra folks there. So you can see the cornucopia, of, and there's a turkey back there, a stack of plates. Yeah. And and you see the the name uh, card right there says Mommy. Yeah. All right. And there's some olives. And I think I got this uh, serving set when we cleaned out the house a couple years ago. So that's like,
0: yeah. And that wallpaper, is that like an eagle? An eagle, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I remember, uh, seeing that wallpaper, some someone else's house. See this at some point, yeah, okay, cool.
1: So then, so then here we are. So, uh, from uh, left to right around the table is sister number one, and then foreign student number one, and then sister number three, and then my mother, foreign student number two, sister number two, foreign student number three. And who knows uh, one of these, uh, uh, might've been a couple, I, I, I don't know. And then myself, and you can see the nameplate that says daddy or the name tag. Yeah. And, uh, sister number one's right there. Here's some applesauce <laughs> and mashed potatoes <laughs> and the, and the Turkey. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, there are folks couldn't go home for, for Thanksgiving that, uh, weren't from around here. And, uh, and I, I asked my sisters and said, do you remember these, these folks? And, uh, uh, no one did. And sister number three, who has the guest book, uh, didn't get back to me unless let me look at my phone. She did not get back to me. All right. So but anyhow, so then Thanksgiving was over and here we are. My mom's holding up what we call Anne's cake, which is a recipe that, uh, came from, uh, a foreign exchange teacher who taught at the university and she was from Paris and we had many years of friendship with her as a family and then I was the big winner in the first grade I won taking home the gerbils <laughs> all right and I bet my mother was horrified oh uh, yeah because <laughs> she had to find a horizontal place to put the gerbil cage and I forget the name of the gerbils but you know we fed them and they're on the encyclopedia uh furniture. You can see the encyclopedias down at the bottom here.
0: Oh uh, yeah. yeah. It's a
1: piece of furniture that my father made with his father, I believe, which yeah. are now at I believe it's sister number two's house. So uh so I got the gerbils. And so uh we didn't have pets growing up, so it was kind of kind of fun. So we had them for a week or so.
2: Yeah. And
1: uh, and I think I think that's that's it for the for the slideshow. Yeah, very nice. But one thing about the first grade, also, I believe, was uh, there was a um, a craft that we did, and I believe was the first grade. Now, if you're looking on Channel 18, you can see the stocking that I made. Yeah. Okay, with uh, out of red construction paper with my name on it, with uh, hole punch holes, and you'd put the 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 the, uh, yarn is gone. But the other thing we made, so I don't know if this is from the first grade or what. I don't know if my mother dated it. Typically, she dated all this stuff. But the other thing we did is we made um, uh, wreaths. And the, the way we made wreaths was we actually took uh, green, like, yard garbage bags and cut them up and tied them on. And my mother was horrified. <laughs> she was horrified. What are you doing taking something good and cutting it up brand new? To, to, to make that, okay? Yeah. And and I remember, and I had... She, my mother must have gone to, you know, Mr. Amazing's or something and got the cheapest garbage bag she could find because mine was lime green and everyone else's was that <laughs> dark green color. Yeah. <laughs> and and it was, you know... I, I think we found it when we moved out, but unlike your tinsel that was, you know, <laughs> protected in the book, um, it was just... <laughs> it was just horrific. So, and I don't know if, if I have it, but I I do have a box over here. See this what it says here? Uh, can't oh. can't read it. Yeah. Oh, IBM. IBM. Oh, okay. So, so what did IBM make
0: at that time? Uh well, I mean they made they computers, they made they made. made
1: yeah. They made punch cards. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So this is probably my father's thesis, okay? Or stuff left over from the company that we worked for. And but my mother made a wreath out of old punch cards. And yeah. if you're looking here, see all these? These are all ready to me- make a wreath. Okay. And it was spray painted.
0: Yeah. Right? I, I made one of those when I was a kid, too. Now that you mentioned it, out of the punch cards, out of,
1: out of punch cards. Because remember, yeah. the phone company used to have punch cards? Yeah. 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 That's how you would, that's how you got your bill and you, you send your check in with a punch card. So, yeah. so maybe, Mark, this is where. I, I, I'm horrified when you told me that you drove to walk someplace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Got a perfectly good place to walk around here, but I had to burn carbon and <laughs> or fossil fuels. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, Hey, hey, your your mom had a point, right? You know, I mean, and 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 perhaps ahead of her time too. I mean,
1: there's, there's a lot of ways. She was just a cheap old Yankee, okay. Well, yeah, well, well there's that too. <laughs> grew up in the depression. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, my parents were the same way.
1: <laughs> so anyhow, um, so that that that's my stories of of, of that time. So anything, uh, if you picked up the paper, you went to the uh, local section, did you see your buddy uh, uh, water skiing in December? <laughs>
0: No, I don't know. I don't have anything local, but uh, yeah, a couple things. On December 16th, Don McLean's uh, eight plus minute version of American Pie was released. Huge, huge song back in the early 70s. And then um, on December 23rd, uh, President Richard Nixon commutes the remaining eight years uh, off of uh, Teamster Labor Union leader Jimmy Hoffa's 13-year jail term for bribery and fraud. Yeah, how'd that work out for him? Yeah, yeah, I wonder <laughs> Had he not been commuted when things have worked a little differently, yeah. but uh, who knows? Uh, and then on Christmas Day, the longest game in NFL history – was played as the Miami Dolphins beat the Kansas City Chiefs 27-24 in double overtime in an AFL playoff game. It lasted 82 minutes and 40 seconds. Mm-hmm.
1: So it was at that point in time the AFC Championship. I did look it up. Ah. All right. And and I looked at the score, and Gary Premian was the kicker for the <laughs> okay. Dolphins. Yeah. Yeah, And uh, so he, he's the one that's, that scored those last points. Yeah. I remember that name
0: for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: No, it looks, the dolphins were, were, were really big back then. And our, our, our buddy uh, from work Franny, he's, he's still a <laughs> dolphins fan.
0: Oh yeah. 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 In fact, I remember kids having like dolphins, you know, uh, jackets back then. And it was like, you know, even as a little
1: kid, I was kind of like, you're hopping on the bandwagon or yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, my, yeah. my buddy Don, You know, Heavy D, for some reason, he was a Dallas Cowboy fan because, you know, Uh, three or four weeks later, the Cowboys would, I think, beat the uh, Dolphins in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. There were a lot of, a lot of Cowboys fans uh, came out of the 70s for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, same with you, with that great photograph of you at the Formula One race this year with the (laughs) Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm,
0: maybe I'm going to convert after that (laughs) i don't think so (laughs) anything going on with tech um just uh sometime during uh, the november december time frame computer space is released it's the first arcade video game it had no microprocessors the entire computer system is a State machine made of 7,400 series integrated circuits. A big state machine. Where have yeah. I heard that term yeah. before? <laughs> <laughs> in fact, we might have been talking about something like that just before the episode started.
1: <laughs> yeah, a- a- absolutely. So, uh, anything in the economy?
0: Um, yeah. So, you know, typical statistics uh, unemployment rate was 5.7%. Inflation rate only four point nine percent. I'll say that's that's in the early seventies. It it wasn't wasn't too bad at all compared to what it would become. Um, Same buying power of uh, today's dollar was about fourteen cents back then. The cost of a gallon of regular gas was thirty six cents. That's about two sixty five today. And does that match any real time data you might have?
1: Well, I'm a little lower. Okay. Uh, I went to the uh the logbooks and I actually went to uh, uh December thirty-first for the sixty-four Chevy Chevy Wagon, uh 31.8 cents a gallon for 14 and a half miles per gallon. And the 70 square back uh on the day before on the thirtieth was thirty-two cents a gallon for twenty five point seven miles per gallon. I noticed that we didn't we didn't go anywhere at at uh at christmas time because that was the closest gas that was purchased in the vehicles it was even before the 20th for the two cars so uh-huh. we hung around yeah and, yeah and didn't go anywhere
0: okay
1: so that's why the date book was kind of empty yeah yeah home for the holidays Yeah, you were. Right? Yeah. Yeah. it's very nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> so anything on tv uh that we would watch if we were allowed to
0: yeah yeah at so least I, in my house <laughs> yeah he uh so I just picked out some, some highlights again. So uh, on uh, Wednesday, December 22nd, uh, at, on CBS at 8 o'clock, he had the Carol Burnett Show, and it was season five, episode two. Tim Conway was listed as a guest. He wasn't a regular yet. Right. And also the, the Carpenters were guest stars, and uh, Carol and the Carpenters sang a uh, medley of Burt Bacharach songs. Oh, beautiful. That must have been nice. Yeah. And then uh, on Thursday, December 23rd, NBC at 10, the Dean Martin Show, um, season seven, episode 15. And he had Jonathan Winters and Dan Rowan uh, from Rowan and Martin's Laughing. Dean uh, sang Marshmallow World and I Feel the Earth Move. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I got to see if I could find that Dean singing. I, I feel the earth move. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. And going on to Friday, uh, December 24th, Christmas Eve, ABC at nine thirty. the odd couple is on. And the episode title is Scrooge gets an Oscar and it's uh, season one, episode 12. And basically the, it was a Christmas Carol based episode where, uh, oscar kicks felix out of the apartment and then he he eats all this uh, spicy food and he falls asleep in front of the tv set and then he has a nightmarish version of a christmas carol (laughs) and as i mentioned you know that christmas carol is one of the most adapted stories i don't know how many tv shows and movies and and what have you? We you discussed the uh, the bionic Christmas Carol
1: before. Yeah. Gonna have to break that out when my daughter gets back from college. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and then uh, finally on uh, Christmas night, CBS at ten, you had uh, Mission Impossible. And the episode was Encore, season six, episode two. So William Shatner was on this episode and it's a an aging hoodlum is artificially transported back to the 1930s and the scene of his unsolved crime. I remember that episode and it's funny, Shatner was in another Mission Impossible where he was transported forward. Oh wow. They 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 were trying to find where he hid some plutonium and then <laughs> they made him like old. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Sort of ridiculous like in both cases the like the old guy you know wouldn't still feel old even though he's transported back to the 30s and and vice versa. You know?
1: <laughs> Sounds like yeah. good TV. Yeah. 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 So anything at the uh Paris or Rialto Theater that uh... yeah a couple movies you might have heard of Uh, A Clockwork Orange starring uh, Malcolm
0: McDowell that's a Stanley Kubrick film Uh, is he related to Roddy McDowell he is uh, his brother I believe oh really yeah yeah if you look at him there they they look very much alike okay yeah yeah and then December 24th uh,
1: Dirty Harry starring Clint Eastwood I have seen Dirty Harry Yeah, yeah yeah so
0: all right so now as
1: Casey would say
0: on with the countdown
1: gotta find American Top 40 oh god (laughs) oh my god
2: (laughs) it's
1: it's on even back in 1971 oh my god
0: on at every station <laughs>
4: Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody, and welcome yes. to American Top 40. I'm Casey Kasem, and we'd like to welcome you, in fact, to a very special AT-40 countdown. What we have for you this week has never been done before. That's right. The AT-40 staff, led by our chief statistician, Ben Marichal, took all the Billboard record charts ever published, 31 years' worth, and came up with a ranking of the 40 biggest Christmas hits of all time. So what you're about to hear is the all-time Christmas countdown.
1: Number 40. Can you hear it? Yes. Yeah. Now, I have the Elvis Presley Christmas LP, and I also think I have it on CD. And I don't recall this one. The King of Rock starts it off and uh, with this song, which is uh, If Every Day Was Like Christmas. The King. Yeah. So this one um,
0: was uh, released on November 15th, 1966 as a uh, 45 single B-side was how would you like to be from the movie, It Happened at the World's Fair. And the single reached uh, number two on Billboard's Best Bets for Christmas survey in 1966. And uh, so Casey said, they couldn't have started the countdown in more dramatic fashion. We start with the artist who is the king of the charts for the present generation, the artist who dominates the charts in the rock and roll era.
1: Yep. So then, uh, after this, Casey went on to say, "We can't find Andrew Sisters with the Guy Lombardo Orchestra doing the Merry Christmas Polka, but." ABC radio did later on and it's about halfway through the show and here's number 39 and I wish I'd known this because I actually went out and I found it on YouTube and uh this is from our, our recording from American Top 40 and so this was a, an extra thrown in yeah yeah so um so yeah this uh one charted
0: at number 18 in 1950 and of course, the andrew Sisters was a group of three sisters: Laverne, Maxine, and Patty. And those sisters, to date, have sold an estimated 80 billion records. Wow, so they were huge. I didn't remember the song when I heard it. I didn't either. It sounds very andrew Sisters-ish.
1: <laughs> and of course, Guy Lombardo, the the. Uh... The king of New Year's Eve. Yeah. Old uh, Lang Syne Yeah. It's just... And his uh, Royal Mounted Canadian Orchestra, or whatever, whatever <laughs> they are.
0: Royal Canadians, yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> now
1: Author and singer of guitar zan they <laughs> <Ahab> the a rap <laughs> The Streak. And everything is beautiful.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ray Stevens. Ray Stevens, yeah. This is uh, Santa Claus is Watching You. This one was released in 1962, and it charted at number 45. And yeah, we've heard Ray in the countdown many times before now. And um, Ray's still with us. He's 83 years young. Is that your dog? (laughs) Yeah. Well, once again, the dog outside, it seems to be that same time of night, too. <laughs> Windows are closed.
1: <laughs> Devil Dog, the Hound of Hell, Tuesday at 9, 8 Central and Mountain, right after the paper chase. My name is Fred, sir. The, uh, the, I'm dancer. My name is... Uh, my
2: name is... the. Day. Are you nervous? Mm-hmm. No. We are Santa's reindeer. All right,
1: this is not we the chipmunks, right? Um... Is it David Seville?
0: It's not, but it was inspired by the Chipmunks' song. So this is written and produced by Russ Regan, born Harold Rustigen. It's credited to Dancer, Prancer, and Nervous. Uh, It was issued by Capitol Records. And Regan was uh, an American uh, record executive who was uh, president of both UNI Records and 20th Century Records, and was the Vice President of A&R at Motown, and he's a rare executive to have seen number one hits in four successive decades.
2: Wow.
1: I don't remember this at all. Nah. Then again, we've had 51 more years of stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Little Alter Boy, I wonder. So, this is a song that was actually a hit by someone else. We're hearing Andy Williams right now, and it was originally a hit for Vic Dana back in 1961. Is that what Casey said? um Yes, 1961. Yeah. Yes. This is the Little Altar Boy. And of course,. uh Andy Williams is the great, 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 great grandson of Bud-Off Williams. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Famous American. Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, so this one, when it was originally done by Vic Dana, uh, got to number 45 in 1961. It was also covered by the Carpenters and Glenn Campbell, among others. So Vic Dana was discovered by Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, wow. Yeah. uh, He was originally a dancer, and when that started to decline as a form of entertainment, uh, he began a singing career. He's best known for his 1965 recording of Sid Tepper and Roy uh, Bennett's songs, Red Roses for a Blue Lady. That was a Billboard Top 10 hit single. And he's still with us. Uh, his real name is uh, Samuel Mendola, and he's uh, 80 years old. And, uh, yeah, Andy Williams' great voice, though, huh? Yeah, yeah. Here is a news
3: bulletin. Santa Claus has been kidnapped by spacemen from a flying saucer, which landed at the North Pole. Be <laughs>
2: on the lookout for Santa Claus' last scene wearing... <laughs> okay. <laughs> we Who is this? The White House yeah. With the president. So it's
0: listed as Buchanan and Goodman, and that... Uh, it went over my head until I, I realized that. Just yes.
4: Report from the FBI. Uh,
0: Santa has been taken it's, to a satellite. Uh, Bill Buchanan and Icky Goodman. Yay. And I kind of remembered this actually. This is uh,
1: I I barely remembered it. I I had to remember. Wait, yeah. So it's
0: a Santa and the satellite, parts one and two. And it was the fifth single released by this uh, duo. And uh, yeah, Dickie Goodman supplies most of the dialogue. And uh, Santa, have you there's a disc Jackie, play Paul play Sherman, uh, in place of Bill Buchanan, I guess. And, um, I know how you can escape. So, this one went to number 32 on the pop chart in 1957.
1: And what happened in 1957? <laughs> that was a Sputnik. That's right. Yeah. yeah, so
0: that was what inspired this. Um, yeah. So, uh, Dickie Goodman, uh, his real name, Richard Dorian Goodman, is unfortunately no longer with us. He passed away in 1989.
4: Turn the record over and find out. The rocket sent to rescue Santa Claus has failed.
1: well this guy's from england it sounds like he's from the 20s like he could be hanging around with enrico caruso
0: yeah yeah
1: um, so, i don't remember this at all no so this is uh david whitfield
0: with santo natale which is, uh, merry, merry christmas um so he, yeah, uh, David Whitfield was a popular British male tenor vocalist, um, he became the first British artist to have a UK number one single in the UK and in the United States with Cara Mia, featuring Montevani and his orchestra, um, and that one went to number ten in 1954. This song went to number 19 in the US and number four in the UK in 1954. set of pipes
2: it's baby's first Christmas.
1: It's something to see. Well, this lady was oftentimes on the love boat right yeah yeah and maybe even the fantasy island Christmas yeah tree. yeah so this is uh baby's
0: Connie Francis and this is baby's first Christmas this one got to number 26 on the pop chart in 1961. Um, Connie Francis was uh, called the first lady of rock and roll in one headline of a uh, marginal publication. That's a, uh, <laughs> she's estimated to have sold more than 100 million records worldwide. Wow. In 1960, he was recognized as the most successful female artist in Germany, Japan, England, Italy, Australia, and in every other country where records were purchased. <laughs> so, That's something else. Yeah, she was the first woman in history to reach number one on the Billboard Hot 100, and that was just one of her 53 career hits. Her real name is Conchetta Rosa Maria. And uh, she's still with us. She just turned 85 on December 12th. Wow.
1: I don't remember this song.
0: I think I heard it not long ago on some Christmas programming somewhere. Hmm.
1: Well, this one... I actually mark it saying, I hear this every year.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Of course, it's the Beach Boys. Little Saint Nick. Big, big song. Came out in, uh, what, 63 when they were really big? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And this one got to number 43
0: in 63. And um, so Little Deuce Coop, which was the template for this song. And it, you know this song. They envisioned the sleigh as a Nordic hot rod, candy apple red with a four-speed stick. Brian Wilson wrote the song with Mike Love with the Beach Boys' Christmas album. The first side of the album was original Christmas songs written by Brian Wilson and Mike Love, and the other side contained traditional favorites like "Frosty the Snowman" and "White Christmas." And the, Run Run Reindeer line was copied from Chuck Berry's song Run Rudolph Run where Berry sings Run Run Rudolph
2: <laughs> but
0: by making the reindeer generic instead of Rudolph in this song the Beach Boys avoided copyright issues I guess Chuck Berry had to turn over royalties to his song to the creator of the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer story <laughs> but one other thing about this at least crack me up with the obvious line. Christmas right here. Christmas <laughs> comes this time each year.
1: <laughs> yeah. But the other thing is, whoever heard of a train with square wheels?
0: Uh, Charlie in the box.
1: <laughs> whoever heard of a Charlie in the box or a square gun that shoots jelly. <laughs> All right. So during the countdown, like I said earlier, there were songs that they couldn't find. And when they couldn't find them, Back in 1971, they found them. Whenever they rebroadcast this on uh, on uh, ABC Radio, whoever owns the rights now to yeah. American Top Forty, yeah, isn't isn't that interesting? I was thinking about it. So
0: you know, 50, uh, 52 years ago, they couldn't, or fifty one years ago, they couldn't find these things. So now we can, you know, go out on the
2: web and find. I can them find them off. in an instant. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So here's number 31. You'd think it's going to be something serious, right? Mm -hmm.
3: The news had come out in the First World War. The bloody Red Baron was flying once more. The Allied Command ignored all of its men And called on Snoopy to do it again Was the night before Christmas, 40 below When Snoopy went up in search of his
1: foe He spied the Red Baron
2: <coughs>
1: Oh my gosh <laughs> With ice on his wings, Snoopy knew it was caught Yeah
2: So <laughs>
0: So yeah, this is Snoopy's Christmas by the Royal Guardsman. The uh, song takes place during World War One and follows up on Snoopy vs. the Red Baron, where Snoopy is a fighter pilot. In Snoopy Christmas, the Red Baron uh, decides not to shoot Snoopy down, but forces him to land and gives him a Christmas gift. Uh, so this is off the album Snoopy and his friends in 1967 uh this song didn't chart in america but it gradually made its way onto many holiday playlists and since become a christmas favorite uh in australia the song went to number one for the last two weeks
2: yeah,
1: yeah. so i, I think the, yeah i i sort of remember this i remember yeah. the other red baron song by the royal Guardsmen, and i, I think that uh Carl Schultz got even richer because they had to give up royalties or everything or I don't know yeah so Merry Christmas Charlie I I didn't remember this either nah That, that
0: voice is familiar though oh absolutely Yes, yeah, so this is a uh, Roy Orbison and the song pretty paper. So, this one was written by Willie Nelson. Uh, oh wow. Yeah, so at the time he was a successful songwriter but a relatively unknown performer and it's a Christmas song where the singer goes about preparing for the holiday but notices an unfortunate homeless person who can't afford the luxuries of the season unsure on how to handle this the singer decides he's just too busy and carries on with his preparations the pretty paper serves as a metaphor for how we often cover up our problems or choose not to notice them oh well, it's kind of a deep song actually <laughs> yeah so we lost roy Orbison in 1988 only at the age of uh,
1: 52 yeah and um, and he was making it his big comeback there. He's one of the Traveling Wilburys. Great, great LP, the Traveling Wilburys' first rep LP. And, yeah. I, uh, on, Mystery uh, Girl was his, was his solo
0: record. Yeah, yeah. So on a lighter note, I remember on one of the Benny Hill shows he's introducing or <laughs> uh, uh, talking about a, a new album coming out or something. he's like, it's Roy Orbison's musical Bum. And they're like, no, no, music album.
1: (laughs) I think we should listen to this all the way through. This is the season.
4: My name is Wednesday. My partner is Frank Jones. The chief is Captain Kellogg. December twenty-fourth, Christmas Eve. They brought in a guy named Grudge. When I heard what they booked him on, my blood ran cold. It was a 6325 96704 Not believing in Santa Claus. <laughs> 4.35 p.m. I was working the holiday watch at a homicide with Frank. Hang up your stocking yet, Joe? Yeah, just before I come down. You too, Frank? Always do. Hung it up early just in case I have to work late tonight. Wouldn't want to miss out when Santa Claus comes, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure wouldn't. be a shame. What are you gonna to do tomorrow, Joe? What are you gonna do on Christmas? You got any plans? Nothing much. It was my dear Stan freeburg. Joe? We're gonna have Christmas dinner. You know, all the trimmings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Turkey, what stuff, did Casey oysters, say about chestnuts. Mm-hmm. All the trimmings. Cranberry sauce. Love to have you. The Mrs. Because mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. 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 I was in the car mm-hmm. when I listened mm-hmm. to this.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, olives,
4: He
2: said he was olives,
4: a like mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. serious writer or something, and yeah, yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't. release scallions. Didn't write that Anytime after two, Joe. Love to have you. Well, I'll see. Love to have.
1: I love this little bit about well, scallions and, and uh, uh,
4: with <laughs> carrot sticks.
2: You know them little carrot sticks? And
4: mm-hmm.
1: in... yeah, yeah, pickles, it's, it's, mm-hmm. this is a, a like really a good again, parody of have, yeah. the actual again, actual Joe.
0: show. Actual show it it the, games, the dialogue, I which I always thought the dialogue in the show was, too, was hilarious.
1: Know. Just those straight laced You know what I got to start listening to is Dragnet from the radio days. I've listened to some of them. So, uh, yes, scallions and green onions. So, anyhow, so they go, they go pick him up, and he eventually agrees there's no Santa Claus. But then he talks about the tooth fairy, and he doesn't believe there's in Cincinnati or, 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 or Cleveland. But he might believe in Toledo. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess on part two, which they didn't play, uh, Grudge
0: finally does come from leaving you know Santa Claus. You got a picture of him? Yeah. <laughs> so no,
4: no mugshot. Any fingerprints? Mm-mm. No latent So, did we mention That's it's uh, Christmas a Christmas Dragnet, That's part one and two? Get the Joe. idea, though. <laughs> yeah. He just said that to make me feel bad, didn't he? There really is an Easter Bunny, isn't there? Joe? Listen, Grudge. Didn't I pick you up three years ago on a 1492 for not believing in Columbus?
2: Yeah! <laughs> okay.
4: oh, oh, that didn't age well. <laughs> how about Toledo?
2: time ago
3: in Bethlehem, so the Holy Bible say, Mary's boy child of Jesus Christ was born on Christmas. This is
1: Harry Belafonte. I, you hear this one now and again. Yeah. And it, uh, Sounds a lot like his big hit uh, a new
3: king born today,
1: and man will His big evermore, hit uh, evermore, uh, from his LP. What was, was that song? Day, What's the big, big Harry Balanfani song? I got the LP upstairs.
0: Uh, the only one I'm thinking of is Banana Boat. But <laughs> it doesn't sound like this. Well, does it?
1: well maybe it's just his voice. <laughs> yeah. he's, a, yeah. he's a great artist and just lost him a little while ago i think right um yeah yeah
0: but uh yeah this is mary's boy child song um This one went to number 12 in 1957. Uh, Originally, uh, this was a West Indian song written by Jester Hairston, a Juilliard-trained songwriter who would later popularize the uh, spiritual amen during the civil rights movement in the the United States. Um, Um, Basie said this became the first million seller in uh, English history, and it's by an American. So uh, when this reached number one, Harry Belafonte became the first black male to have a number one in the UK. It was the first song to sell 1 million copies in the UK and the first ever British number one record to have a playing time of more than four minutes. Runs four minutes and 12 seconds. Uh, Stayed at number one in the UK for seven weeks before becoming the only song to drop from number one straight out of the top 10. Following week after
1: Christmas, and of course, uh, here daughter Sherry Belafonte, she was in a number of things in the 80s, yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, great voice,
0: yeah. Remember, yeah. He, he inducted Carlos Santana into the uh Kennedy Center honors, I remember, I okay, a few years back, yeah.
1: This is done by Catwoman, right? Yeah. Santa baby. I think the one we hear on the radio isn't by this lady, Eartha Kitt. Don't we hear a different one?
0: Um, it, it has been done by several artists, but uh, yeah, Eartha Kitt was the first. Um, so Casey said. Uh, this next singer uh, was the first million seller, uh, excuse me, this next singer whose first million seller was C'est C'est Bon, it's so good. Uh, this, uh, this went all the way to number four in 1953, Santa Baby. So this was written at the end of 1953 by Joan Javits, who was the niece of U.S.
1: Senator Jacob Javits. Jacob Javits,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, we we talked about going to the Javits Center, right? Uh, did you for uh, the I uh, IEEE Expo in oh yeah That's right. I, I, yeah. I found the piece of paper in the in my collection of stuff about it. Ah, So, yeah. so I've been to the Jake. He was a, yeah, senator from New York State, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So as the niece Joan wrote uh, Santa Baby for uh, Eartha Kitt
0: um and it became a holiday hit and kit's most famous song and um so she came up with the lyrics santa baby just slip a sable under the tree for me and Eartha kit's image at the time was a sophisticated vamp and (laughs) she was one of three actresses to play catwoman on the 1960s batman tv show Um,
3: uh,
0: ironically she passed away on December twenty fifth, two thousand eight, at the age of eighty one, right here in our state. Uh, hurry down the chimney, so, um, yep. Yeah. So, did I mention my first word as a child was come and trim Batman? <laughs> It it goes to contrast uh, how you were brought up and I was brought up, because apparently I might have been just plunked in front of the TV as a child. (laughs) Batman was the popular show at the time. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Nuts at Christmas. <laughs> on the I love this one. Yeah. I'd never heard this. Oh, the red, like on the I remember night. my father. Oh, yes, uh, I don't Christmas know how he
0: played it for me or whatever, but he was like, oh, this is great. You got to hear on
1: this. This is Jorgie Jorgensen oh, doing, I just oh, go nuts at Christmas. Red. So... <laughs> Tended to be a Swedish guy. Of course, that was made big the Swedish chef and the Muppets. You know, how many years after this came out? This was from uh, 1949. Uh, yeah, Well, your father was probably a young, you know, what? Uh, 16, 17 years old? Yeah, yeah, I think he might have been
0: just coming out no no he was a little older he's just coming out of the army i think at that
4: point yeah Christmas, okay still in the house so, yeah my family asleep yeah my folks were 15 when this like came out yeah i look at my watch so yeah
0: uh so this Thank was written and performed song song by Harry Oglash Stewart beer. as the fictional Swede Yogi Jorgensen so and, about and, uh, smell, Tom and, he, and uh, he was backed by the Johnny Duffy trio on the song, song sleeping, uh, on to my bed and this one the flip sleeping. side of it was Yingle on Bells, on bells, <laughs> bells. <laughs> and and peaked, <laughs> peaked at number five on Billboard's Best Sellers in stores chart for the week of Christmas 1949 and uh, Harry Stewart was born my Harry Scarbo, and was an entertainer, singer, saw, comedian, I and songwriter. And, and he's best known for this portrayal of Yogi Christmas Jorgensen, point, <laughs> all over the comically exaggerated Swedish-American.
4: On Christmas, I kiss my wife's mother. The rest of the year, uh, we don't speak to each other. (laughs)
2: That's (laughs) That's a great (laughs) line.
4: My wife's uncle Louie get into an argument. They're both awful screwy. (laughs) Then all my wife's family say Louie is right, and my goofy relations, they join in the fight. Back in the corner, the radio's playing, and over the racket, Gabriel Heater is saying, peace on earth, everybody, and goodwill toward men. And just at that moment... Someone slogs Uncle Ben. <laughs> they all run outside. <laughs> the neighbors all
1: there. right, <laughs> on number 25. Oh, so glad Merry Christmas comes. <laughs> it's beginning to look a lot like. So, you think this is a Christmas song until now? <laughs> It's David Seville and the Chipmunks. Yeah, and it was Perry Como that made this a hit the first time around. and I don't know if they couldn't find the Perry Como version, but David Seville—that's not his real name, is it? It's—it's it's not. But that, you know, that's farther up in the countdown actually. So we'll, we'll table that thought unless you have it in front of you. Okay, but the Chipmunks version is is here. Yeah. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And in 1951, it got to number 23 with Perry Como. And yeah. I tell you, Perry Como is littered all over this chart. You know? Yeah.
0: And, uh, yeah, this song has been recorded by many artists. But, yeah, it was the, the big hit for Perry Como and the Fontaine Sisters uh, with Mitchell Ayers and his orchestra on September 18th, 1951, uh, and released on... Um, and RCA Victor as a 45. Uh, Bing Crosby recorded a version of this in uh, 1951 in, on October 1st, which
1: was also widely played. So I don't remember hearing this version. no, nah, nah, they'll, they'll, they'll do the other one we're going to hear later a lot more. So. Yeah. All right. Well, so now we get into a dead zone where uh, they skip around all the way to number 18 in the american top 40 so i have to go to my file folder and i have to start pulling these out manually that i recorded off the youtube was it was it broadcast this way the the AT top 40 i wonder did they you know i I have no idea because you know the, the, the words don't say it but but i don't know but yeah all right number 24 Here's your boy Perry Como again. Now yeah. I've heard this one. You know, they play this one on, on Holly, on XM Radio quite a bit. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: this is uh, There's No Place Like Home for the Holidays. And, um yeah, this went to number eight in 1954. There's Perry now. Um, He was written by uh, Perry Como's frequent accompanist, Robert Allen, and lyricist Al Stillman, who teamed up to write several hits of the era for Perry Como. The Four Lads Moments to Remember, they also wrote, and Johnny Mathis Chances Are. Um, So uh, Mitch Miller gave the songwriting duo just one day to come up with a holiday hit for Perry Como. Uh, Oh boy! They uh Alan retreated to the Rockefeller Center and inspired by the ice skaters wrote the music that afternoon and gave it to
1: Stillman who wrote the lyrics that night. Wow. So Imagine song. if our boss said, you know, well you you don't have a boss anymore, said, I want you to get this software done by tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Well uh, you know. Standard work would slow you down. And...
2: <laughs> <laughs> the checklist, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's
1: there, there's something different about uh, you know a process and, and you know alchemy. This is more like alchemy, you know. Yeah, we have coming up with this is art. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This is a great song though. I always
1: like this one. Yeah, this this is this is good. I I appreciate Perry because like i said earlier he's scattered all around here and he's a big part of it and he's still played now yeah yeah and he uh yeah he had he hit the at40 in the 70s that's right well we had him on over the summertime sometime yeah and uh, you talked about uh, the perry como uh, good to be not sleeping tour or whatever it was <laughs> yeah. yeah still alive actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>.
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: So, on the uh, original chart, uh, this song was actually, uh, which is number number 23, they actually played the Bing Crosby version, but I went out and I found the actual Dennis Day version, and so Dennis Day was uh, an Irish-American who, uh, which is not his real name, Uh, McNulty is his real last name Uh, and he was the the, uh, second tenor of the Jack Benny show he took over for uh, uh, Kenny what's his name Uh, and he was he worked with Jack Benny for 40 years or 30, 35 years. So,
2: yeah. And
1: he, he has some great vamping up here later. So if you listen to the Jack Benny radio program,
4: here it goes.
1: So did a lot of voices. Kenny Baker was who he took over for. So, do you have anything else on this?
0: Um, yeah. This, the song itself was written by John Redmond, James, Kavanaugh and Frank Weldon in uh, 1950. The song's been performed by many artists. Uh, two recordings made the Billboard Retail Chart in 1950. This one uh, peaked at number 10, and Percy Faith did a version that reached number 28, and uh, yeah, most notably, as mentioned, uh, the Big Crosby uh, version was also recorded
2: in 1951. All yeah,
1: but right around Christmas time, Dennis Day would always perform the song on the Jack Benny radio program. So, uh... He had ten children. Wow. Dennis Day is an Irishman.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Ha
0: Have you ever been to Ireland? Um, No. Uh, I've got tickets to go next June now.
1: Are you going to go to that show?
0: Um, Well, I think so, because I was scheduled to go anyway. uh, And then I decided to move it up a few days. I'm traveling with my sister and her husband, and uh, uh, we're going to be staying eventually in the south of Ireland. But I said, oh, you know what? It's so close. I think I'll go to the... Rory Gallagher International Music Festival.
4: Hello,
0: ladies and gentlemen, Rory Gallagher. Up in uh, Valley Shannon. And so I'm going to be we're going to be staying up in that area uh near the end of the festival
1: and i, I hope to get up there yeah, yeah I've, I've never been to ireland so you you should go to uh kill say it for me you're irish or killarney? killarney
4: yeah <laughs> you know what joe's mistake was he wasn't born an irishman
1: i'd never heard this one before
3: merry christmas baby
1: not
0: this or version I? Yeah. not this version
1: yeah yeah
0: heard the song though yeah so this is merry christmas baby by charles brown a little confusing here, here but uh
1: another person with two first names
0: yeah so this was released in 1947 and it went to number three in the r b chart Several uh, artists have recorded this for Christmas highlights throughout the years, including Chuck Berry, Elvis Presley, Otis Redding, Etta James, B.B. King, Bruce Springsteen, Christina Aguilera, Billy Idol, <laughs> Cheryl Crow, The Monkees, and John Lenton. <laughs> Uh, the artists yeah, were... yeah,
1: I, I, do, I do remember this now from the Elvis Christmas LP. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: yeah. So uh, Brown also recorded a duet version with Bonnie Raitt for the 1992 multi-artist compilation A Very Special Christmas 2 to benefit the Special Olympics. Brown passed away in 1999 at the age of
3: 76. Uh,
1: this is a very, very. The original oftentimes is the is the best. Sometimes it's not. Um yeah. Very this is, one's very bluesy, but I, I like the blues. so <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Number 21. first
2: night before Christmas and all through the house, Not a creature is stirring not even the mouse. Suddenly I
4: heard a
1: strange noise down below. So, so my mother would sometimes, when I was losing my teeth, you know, as a kid, she would sing this song because when this song came out in... 1948? Uh, 1948, she was she was 14. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did Bob Steele ever play this song? I think he did, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth uh, done by Spike wow. Jones and his city slickers. And it has in parentheses George Rock. But this uh, novelty Christmas song was written by Don Gardner in 1948. It's uh, it, a half a century after his first and only Billboard hit. He gave an interview at his Massachusetts home and told about how in 1944, when uh, his wife Doris had a baby, he took over her second grade class. He said, and as Christmas approached, he was asked to come up with a song for a holiday concert. One day he was in class when the teacher asked the pupils what present they wanted, and each replied, all I wanted for Christmas. And Gardner noticed that out of a class of 22, 16 of them had their front teeth missing. (laughs) So that's how he wrote it. (laughs)
1: So, so when was he in the second grade? In like 1885 or, I mean, 1898 or? I, 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 I kind of.
0: No, he was he was teaching. He took over. Oh, he was his,
1: teaching. Yeah, okay. he took
0: over his wife's uh, teaching. Oh, all right. He was a substitute
1: when, teacher. Yeah, when she was having a baby. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I, I'm like, oh, okay. All right.
3: I'll be home for Christmas. This is
1: our first song by
2: Bing. Big LP. The uh,
1: Merry Christmas, Bing. I'm showing it to you on Channel 18 right now. All right. So I have the vinyl version, I also have the CD version I'm holding in my hand and uh, uh, track 11 is Christmas in Killarney and uh, I'll Be Home for Christmas is track 6 on on this uh, which is probably the first song on side 2 so uh, Bing Crosby, it wouldn't be Christmas without Bing yeah yeah so this one was written by lyricist
0: Tim Gannon and composer Walter Kent, recorded in 1943 by Bing Crosby. It's originally written to honor soldiers overseas who longed to be home at Christmas time. Since gone on to become a Christmas standard. The flip side of the original recording on Decca was "Danny Boy." Um, despite the song's po- popularity with Americans on the front line. Uh, In uh, World War II, in the UK, the BBC banned the song from broadcast as they felt the lyrics might lower morale among the British troops. Um, So 77 years after its original release, Bing Crosby's I'll Be Home for Christmas debuted on the Billboard Hot 100 chart at number 50 on the chart dated January 2nd, 2021, Wow. And it was number 23 on the Rolling Stones' top 100 U.S. songs of all time. That list
1: compiled in 2019. Wow. So, uh, one of the things I did yesterday in between football is I found A Very Brady Christmas was on MeTV. <laughs> and I would never watched A Merry Br- uh, Brady Christmas. Have you ever seen it? That's, it's horribly depressing, isn't it? Or at least until the end. <laughs> I well,
0: I mean, a lot of stuff happens, right? A I, lot
1: of stuff happens, but it was yeah. great to catch up with them. Yeah, it's from 1988, and it was the number one uh, TV movie of the year. And they, after that, they brought back, the, you know, the Brady Kids as older. It was great, you know. Uh, Greg had this boss mustache going, and uh, <laughs> what I found was interesting is is they brought it back for six more episodes, and Robert Reed was great in, in that. What a good actor and um uh, one thing about it was i was reading about it on the wikipedia is remember there's a tv show uh uh 30 something that was big oh yeah yeah so they called that tv show uh, the ones that were afterwards brady something yeah that was the joke <laughs> yeah i never saw 30 something did you yeah yeah i
0: remember uh uh I remember my sister being a fan of that, but,
1: uh,
0: yeah, didn't, but didn't the very Brady Christmas have, did it have a fake Jan? No, no, no. Fake? It had
1: real Jan. It had fake Cindy. Fake Cindy. Okay. Fake Cindy. Yeah. yeah. I think it
0: was a big deal because didn't Jan kind of not participate in, in some she, things She was not in the, ended?
1: she was not in the, uh, song and dance, uh, TV shows of the seventies. Right. Right.
0: But then she was, uh, the Brady girls got married. I remember, wasn't that a, was that a series or a a,
1: a special? Well, it was, bu- that was before this. That okay. was before this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyhow. So they couldn't find number 31. They couldn't find number 19. All right. So they played number 19 uh, way near the end. Yeah, this is so annoying. I, I'm finding it here. They put it between number 2 and number 3 so we're going to we're going to play number 19 now You
3: all I want for Christmas All I want my whole life through
0: <laughs> so uh yeah, this is your all I want for Christmas by Frankie Lane, first recorded in 1948 with uh, Carl Fisher's orchestra, written by Seeger Ellis, Glenmore, and Kid Thomas.
2: I don't because I didn't it. remember it. Yeah, you remember it?
0: Nah, nah. I, it's funny though, just the title. I was. When I saw it, I was thinking of that song that you found tuning the radio at the beginning of the episode. <laughs>
3: hey
2: Ricky, what, what you get for Christmas? What? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Nothing.
2: Well if,
1: what I would if if this greatest hits was done you know eighty-two years. Yeah, you know, like now i don't know how many of these novelty songs would make it yeah yeah
0: so this is nothing for christmas by uh, art mooney with barry gordon so casey said this is a song that was released in 1955 and became a big hit for ricky zan do you remember nothing for Christmas? And I was thinking, no, I don't. No, I don't either. (laughs) It has that Debbie Downer sound effect there. uh, This was written by Sid Temper and Roy Bennett. It became a hit during the 1955 holiday season when it appeared uh, in the Billboard's pop charts by five other artists. And Casey wow. said there were half a dozen people who sang this song, including the Fontaine sisters, Joe Ward, Barry Gordon, Stan Freeberg, and other notable covers were done by Eartha Kitt and Smash Mouth, featuring Rosie O'Donnell, <laughs> and oh also Sugarland. <laughs>
2: oh.
1: All right, let's let's move on to something that we'll still still hear today. Yeah. This is Brenda Lee. This would still be on the charts. Yeah. Yeah, so... Oh, her say it again.
0: There it is, rocking around the Christmas tree. So, Casey said, This is sung by someone who looks like a girl, sings like a woman, and carries a spotlight like a lady. <laughs> wow. this was first released back in 1960 and it got as high as number 14 on the billboard chart uh here's uh this was written by uh johnny marks a very prolific christmas songwriter who's jewish um his other songs include holly jolly christmas and rudolph the red-nosed reindeer brenda lee was just 13 years old when she recorded this song she was known as little miss dynamite she stood only four foot nine inches tall so first released in 1958 the song didn't dent the charts that year or the next but in 1960 after brenda lee had some other hits it caught on and went to number 14 in the u.s it charted again in 1961 and 62 and went on to become a christmas classic other artists to cover this were Cindy Lauper, Leanne Rimes, Toby Keith, Miley Cyrus, Alabama, and uh, Ally and AJ. And um, thanks to streaming, the song entered the top ten for the first time on the chart dated January fifth, twenty nineteen. Wow! So, you know, Brenda's still with
1: us. She's seventy
2: nine. Well.
1: Wow. All right. <laughs> When I heard this song, I'm like, oh, what a Christmas. maybe the Eagles were around then. But I started listening to this. I'm like, oh, I, I thought this song was written by, like, Glenn Frey or something. Because they made this song big. You'll <laughs> yeah. hear the Eagles version of this. And, and I... Did they ruin it for you? Yeah. Because... <laughs> You know, this is the same fellow that did uh, the uh, the song earlier. Where the heck is it? Uh, number... Oh, gosh. Where's my paper here? The nice blues version that, that we heard earlier. What the heck was it? Uh, the guy with two first names. Yeah. Charles Brown, Merry Christmas Baby, number 22. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so this gentleman was on this chart twice. Yeah, yeah. So
0: Casey did this big long thing about how this guy Charles Brownlee was a high school science teacher and a chemist for the military. But the funniest part is Casey goes, he was head of the science department at George Washington Carver High School in Baytown, Texas. And then he cut the gas on his Bunsen burner and took off to become a singer. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, many artists have covered this song, as you mentioned. The Eagles took it to number 18 in 78. Bon Jovi did a popular version uh, for a very special Christmas 2 compilation that we talked about. Mariah Carey's done it, James Brown, Luther Vandross, Etta James, Harry Connick Jr., B.B. King, and Pat Benatar recorded this song in 1990 for uh, the coalition troops serving in the Gulf War. Um, So, yeah, Charles passed away in 1999 at the age of 76.
1: Well, as you see here in my James Brown Christmas CD that I'm showing on Channel 18, Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, Please Come Home for Christmas by Red and Brown is track number nine on one of my favorite uh, Christmas Christmas
2: LPs. Huh? Okay.
0: So, yeah, this is I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus by Jimmy Boyd. This song hit number one in 1952 and it made the singer who did it the youngest to ever occupy the number one position. He was only 13 years old when he recorded this song. Mitch Miller at Columbia Records had him record the song, which was written by Tommy Connor. And when this was released in 1953, some people thought it was a little too risqué the thought of a married woman having an affair with Santa but if you listen to it you know, it's just
1: daddy dressed up as Santa Claus
2: <laughs> you
1: know when I saw the name I was thinking Jimmy Osmond right. yeah <laughs> or even it kind of sounds Wayne Newtonish in a way yeah 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 definitely yeah I bet Wayne Newton covered this yeah, yeah. so there was
0: a, a a version of this popularized by uh, Vera Lynn, and it was used as the opening scene of the film Pink Floyd, The Wall. Or at least it was a song called The Little Boy that Santa Claus forgot that was inspired by this actually.
1: I remember this song. except i know the gene autry version this is done by bobby b socks and the blue jeans yeah actually no no they also played that hold on they also played that we're not going to play the other one
2: yeah yeah
1: yeah this is the gene autry version Yeah. yeah So, so, yeah, here comes Santa Claus. Um, so, Casey told
0: this long story about how Gene Autry was working as a railroad telegraph operator in Oklahoma when this customer came in to send a telegram and he heard Autry playing the guitar and singing and he told him he ought to give radio a try. And the customer who was sending the telegram signed it and it was Will Rogers. Will Rogers. Autry took his advice and became a cowboy millionaire. Casey said, people kidded him about his singing, but never about his business ability. He owned everything, That's right. including the California Angels uh, one time. And he has his name on the labels of three songs in this countdown. Um, this was written and originally performed by him and uh, it was composed by uh, Oakley Alderman and uh, yeah, Gene Autry's real name was Orvon Grover Autry and uh passed away
1: in 1998 at the age of 91 yeah. so let's hear a little bit of the uh, Bobby B. Sox version so this almost has a wall of sound you know Phil Spector type of uh,
0: yeah uh, like and the voice is, is like it's like a mixture of Roy Orbison and Neil Sadaka or something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we've heard the other one. All right. My mistake earlier. Yeah. But uh, this one I'd never heard before. No. This version. So. so this is uh by Leroy Anderson and the Boston Pops. So, Arthur Fiedler, my, I think one of my father's favorites, who was probably conducting at the time. And, uh, Sleigh Ride. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Casey said
0: Leroy Anderson, composer, conductor, who had several instrumental hits done in a symphonic jazz style. And um, he wrote the music for this song during a heat wave in July of 1946 while staying at a cottage in Woodbury, Connecticut with his wife and 18-month-old daughter. Um, It's originally a hit in 1948. um, And yeah, Anderson was a a composer who lived in the Boston area. He moved to Woodbury permanently in 1948, where he lived until uh, he passed away in 1975. And he had a big hit in 1952 with the song Blue Tango. And Arthur Fiedler premiered the song with the Boston Pops, uh, who, yeah, Libra was their arranger at that time. And the words for Sleigh Ride were added in 1950 by Mitchell Parrish. And the song became a Christmas classic.
1: I can remember sister number two was in the choir. and at yeah. school and they did this song and they, with the words. And I have a vivid memory of, of being at that concert yeah. at the high school. Yeah. Hear, this, yeah. yeah, hear this back part, dun,
0: dun, 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 dun. They play that at like college games, you know, the band <laughs> during like, <laughs> but uh, the Ventures did an instrumental version of this, uh, a surf rock version, um, based on their hit, Walk, Don't Run.
1: Uh, the Ronettes also did a version. Um let's hear a little bit. Hang on. This is the other version. Okay. Who else did it? Um well this is the Runettes,
0: right? Okay. Yep. Yeah. And um yeah, this was uh on the 1963
1: album A Christmas Gift for You from Phil Spector. All right. So here's the Wall of Sound that I yeah. just talked about on on the other remake of uh of uh, Here Comes Santa Claus. Yeah. So. So, this version had the misfortune
0: of being released on November 22nd, 1963.
1: Gee, what happened the day before that? It was the
0: day of, I believe. Yeah. Oh, the day of?
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That was uh, the assassination of President Kennedy, for those right. of you
4: the snowman was a jolly happy soul With a corncob pipe and a button nose And
1: his eyes made out of coal Oh, here's Gene Autry again. Yeah. <laughs> Owner of the California Angels. Were they surprised when before their eyes And like three radio stations and a television station. There must have been some magic Cowboy millionaire. Probably a malt shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this, everyone knows this one. Yeah, Frosty the
0: Snowman. And uh, Casey said, uh, here's a song that was a big hit for Nat King Cole, Guy Lombardo, and Gene Autry. So this version is from uh, 1950, and it got to number seven. Frosty was the creation of the songwriters Steve Edward Nelson and Walter Jack Rollins, who also wrote Here Comes Peter Cottontail. (laughs) Well, like in the Dragnet, you know, do you believe in the Easter Bunny, too? Right. <laughs> this makes the list of Christmas songs that aren't really about Christmas, like uh, Jingle Bells and Winter Wonderland, as the songs have lots of winter imagery, but no specific mention of Christmas. So, uh, in 1969, uh, this song was made into an animated television film featuring the voices of Jimmy Durante and Jackie Vernon, You won't see Frosty in many movies, commercials, or TV shows because a character like Rudolph is copyrighted.
1: Yeah, so I'm showing right here one of my other favorite uh, Christmas records, which is the Leon Redbone Christmas LP. And uh, he does do Frosty and the Snowman, track number three, but he also does Christmas Island, all right, which is a. you know, almost like the "Molly Callikumakma," you know, by Bing. You know, how how do you celebrate, you know, Christmas where it's warm or on the other side of the planet? Yeah. You know, uh, but this is this is one of my faves. Yeah. I could tell who that was before I even read the title. <laughs> Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is. So we're hearing Bing here. But uh, Glenn Miller made this big in 1941, before he was lost over the English Channel mm-hmm. uh, on a secret mission during the war. And uh, he's never heard this song before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So,
0: yeah, of course, many people have had a hit with uh, this song, uh, including Glenn Miller. So the words and music for this Christmas classic were written by James Lord Pierpont, a popular American composer in 1857, with the title of One One Horse Open Sleigh. (laughs) Uh, I kind of like the Frank Sinatra version of Jingle Bells, but... uh, I like the instrumentals in this version, though. You know, that Glenn Miller.
1: You know what he's he doing. It. Yeah. And that is on the Bing Crosby oh, record that I'm holding up. Yeah. So this is the other David Seville. And what's his real name? Oh. Oh. Okay, Theodore. Oh. Okay. Uh, let's see. Hang on. I, got, I have it. Hang on.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, so yeah,
0: his real name is Ross Bagdasarian. <laughs> is he Armenian? I don't know, <laughs> sounds like it. Yeah, so uh, so this is off the album The Very Best of the Chipmunks in 1958. It sold three million copies in a couple months. Wow, it was number one for four consecutive weeks in 1958. And it was uh, one of the biggest christmas songs of that year yeah as we said it was written and produced by david seville aka ross Bagdasarian. Um, (laughs) the inspiration came to him from his youngest son adam who had a habit of asking in september if it was christmas yet Um, this is the last christmas song to hit number one in the u.s at least at this time right um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Chipmunks were called Alvin, so Simon, and Theodore. They were named after Liberty Records president Theodore. Al Bennett, Alvin, owner Cy Warnicker, and the engineer on Alvin. duty when it was recorded, Ted Keith. Um, Theodore. Yep. yep. So this was the first Chipmunks single. And although David Seville had previously recorded two singles using the high pitched up voice technique. The first was Witch Doctor, which went to number one. I end.
1: told the Witch Doctor, I
0: told him what to do. Yeah. Nineteen yep.
2: fifty-eight. Ooh ah
1: ah, ting tang, walla la bang. Ooh ee ooh ah ah, ting tang, walla la bang. Yeah. <laughs> You've been treating like, like I was a liar. No, that's enough. Let's not overdo it. Let's not overdo it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Elvis song that you'll still hear this is his his number one Christmas song without a doubt yeah yeah so blue Christmas
0: um and this is on the uh
1: Leanne Redbone
0: yeah. so this was first a hit by Russ Morgan and many others since 1949 but uh as Casey said Here's the fellow who has had the biggest hit with this song, Elvis Presley. Or is it Elvis P? <laughs> so it was uh, originally recorded by Western actor Doyle O'Dell in 1948, found popularity two years later with the uh, cover by Ernest Tubb. And then Elvis Presley recorded it in 1957 for his Elvis Christmas album. It wasn't released as a single until 1964, when in the US it was backed with Wooden Heart from the Elvis soundtrack to his film G.I. Blues. But from 1965 and on, it was backed up with uh, Santa Claus' Back in Town on uh, the B-side.
1: You better watch out well, you better not cry Here's bing again cry, why. Why? Santa Claus but this was made big by someone else according yeah, to uh he's making a list Checking no he's
2: gonna find out no. and
1: nice yeah Santa Claus what am i saying yeah this is so confusing <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> you
1: yeah sleeping.
0: So, yeah, Santa Claus is coming to town. This is a version by Bing Crosby and the Andrews Sisters. Uh, uh, This song was written on a very hot day in the middle of July 1932 by Haven Gillespie and J. Fred Coots. Uh, The big break for the song came when uh, Eddie Cantor sang it on his radio show in 1934, and the song became an instant hit. Uh, The only top 40 entry for this song is the 1962 version by The Four Seasons, which hit number 23 and featured Frankie Valli's famous falsetto. Uh, This
4: one?
1: Yeah. because they played this also. This is what confused me earlier.
0: Yeah. So, uh, this is one of the most successful Christmas carols of all time. Um, this, uh, was outsold only by Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer and white Christmas. Popular takes on the song were recorded by the Jackson five, Mariah Carey, Charlie Daniels, George Strait, Alice Cooper, the Carpenters and Justin Bieber. And, um, I, I always really like the Bruce Springsteen live version,
1: too. Oh, sure. Yeah. That would definitely be on the 2022 version of the American Top 40 with, who doesn't know, Shadow Stevens? No. Uh, who's the guy that's, like, on the... Who took over Regis? Uh, You're at home in the morning. Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't he do American Top 40 now?
4: Sends me. And before your race was born, I have awaited a question.
0: He might. I don't know. I haven't listened to it in,
1: in, in a long time. So there, There's a billboard coming off the Whitehead Highway onto the interstate going southbound. that has, It says that Steve Harvey has a radio program that's on the radio station in the area. Huh. And I, I tell you, I think Steve Harvey's great. Yeah, I yeah. tell you, he's as busy as Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, you know, you know, he, he probably only has like you know five bits he has to do in a, you know per hour. So and they fill it up with traffic and you know <laughs> whatever with traffic and
0: commercials and yeah, the the, the antenna
1: switch or whatever the
2: antenna switch.
1: <laughs> All right. This is Winter Wonderland, which is made big by Perry Como. But we're not hearing Perry this time. We've heard enough of him.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: This is Ray Conniff. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I have a story about this. So, okay. Cheryl's, aunt, Cheryl's Aunt Judge had a dog named Mandy. When I first met Cheryl 30-plus years ago, we'd go over, always on, and it ended after Uncle Dave passed away a couple of years ago but we would go over there when the dog was they had a dog named mandy and they were able to get the dog to kind of go
2: <laughs>
1: the dog could sing the melody to the winter wonderland
2: ah. devil dog the hound of hell tuesday at 9 8 central and mountain right
1: after the paper chase and and i don't know how they made name the dog mandy The the people across the street that i grew up with had a dog named mandy and that was named after the Barry Manilow song. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, yeah, this was uh,
0: made a big hit by Perry Como in 1956. was written in 1934 by Richard Smith and Felix Bernard. Smith was inspired to write the song after seeing the Central Park in his uh, hometown of Honesdale, Pennsylvania, covered by snow. Um, no... Other version has made the uh, top 40 since
1: 1955. So they also. We have two versions of this here. I got seven, and I got seven B. Hmm, hang on a second. We're gonna give this a try. Yeah. Okay. This is the Darlene Love version. Ah, yeah from 1963 I, I just listen listen to it I just read it here because <laughs> uh, I wrote it down because it wasn't on the chart that we got from that interesting website that came from Japan yeah where did you find that list I, uh, well I think there was a link to that in the uh, 1840 book actually yeah <laughs> so Darling, Love and uh, he was big yeah this is a good good version I like this yeah. this, this sounds like the Wallace sound again yeah so, we're going on to number six. Silver bells, silver bells, it's Christmas time. Well, we typically don't hear this one on the radio or streaming nowadays. This is Jimmy Wakely and Margaret Whiting. We'll hear the other one that you might know better, Silver Bells." Yeah. So this song
0: was introduced in the movie The Lemon Drop Kid, uh, written by Jay Livingston and Ray Evans, for the 1951 Bob Hope movie called The Lemon Drop Kid. Among the many other hit records uh, the duo have written are two Academy Award-winning songs, Buttons and
1: Bows and Que Sarah, Well Buttons and Bows was in Paleface, and Bob Hope was in that movie. Yeah, yeah, and of course, Kaysera, Sirah,
0: uh, Big Doris Day song. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so uh, one of the notes I read is they joined Johnny Marks and Irving Berlin on the list of Jewish songwriters who composed famous Christmas songs. Well, <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, so I have a little personal thing about this song. Uh, Should we play the other one and you can get yeah, into that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get into the other one. So what's your personal story?
0: Uh, just um,
1: it's, it's, it's kind of one of those
0: silly things where I you know twist a song to make it fit the occasion. But when I worked uh, in the kitchen in the convalescent home, um, they had these uh, bowls that you would put ice cream in and they were they were metal and silver colored. I remember getting them out of the cabinet and singing. Silver balls, silver <laughs> balls. It's Christmas time in the kitchen. So.
1: <laughs> were you wearing those? Uh, yeah, your the, white shirt and, and and your herringbone pants. Yeah, yeah, yes, I was. Tell, tell me about your herringbone pants. Uh, well, they were that, you know, checkered herringbone,
0: uh, you know, pattern. And, um, you yeah, know, had to wear them working in the kitchen. And, you know, I didn't have a car back then. I worked there in high school. I used to walk to work in those, kind of embarrassing. <laughs> but uh, I think I didn't find an answer on why, you know, people in kitchens wear those. But my theory was that they wouldn't show stains. You know? <laughs> but meanwhile, what would? Look. Your
1: white shirt would.
0: Yeah. And and I had, I was uh, pureeing some beets one day and the cover came off the uh, blender and it, it just went all over the white shirt and that, that white shirt was done after that. <laughs> pureeing
1: were- beef. Beets. Oh beets. gosh. No,
0: beets. Oh,
1: beets. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I got a can of beets in the pantry here. Maybe nice. I'll give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to head to number five. Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell Rock. Jingle Bells swing and Jingle Bells ring. Snowing and blowing a bushel of fun. Well, this is not the one we hear on the radio. This is Jingle Bell Rock by Bobby Helms.
0: Yeah. Um, this one reached number seven back in 1957. It's considered the first mainstream rock and roll Christmas song. So Helms was a new, relatively successful country artist with two number one country hits in 1957, Fraulein and My Special Angel, both of which were crossover hits that made it into the top 40. Although this was released only two days before Christmas in 57, the single still hit number six on the pop chart song was re-released around christmas 1958 and again in 1960 making it uh, back to the church each time so bobby helms passed away in
1: 1997 only at the age of 63 so yeah. so who who made this big who's didn't didn't like someone from motown make this really big yeah yeah and when you said that i'm panicking because i can't think of who it is
0: but you hear that version a lot. Chestnuts
1: yeah. yeah. roasting on an open fire. Now, this is the song written by Mel Torme. <laughs> mm-hmm. at your nose. Horse. It's Nat King Cole. You'll yeah, Great great voice
0: and yeah, so the Christmas the song. Fire. You know. Casey said, There are a handful of Christmas songs you hear each and every Christmas, and I can't think of anyone who sings it better than that King Cole. I, I think he's absolutely right. So, another personal note on this uh, back when I worked in the factory, and you know, we made a lot of military products, so I came up with a a parody version of this song, and uh, one of the lyrics was um, <laughs> Turkey Hawks and Copperhead Mistletoes.
2: <laughs>
1: well, I'm going to hold up another record, one of my other favorite LPs. I'm going to show it here on Channel 18.
0: Okay. And yes. this is
1: the NRBQ record, ah, yeah. Christmas Wish. And. Uh, my favorite band, NRBQ, New Rhythm and Blues Quartet or Quintet, and this is uh, track number seventeen off the deluxe edition of this.
0: Uh, and it's a, that it's a
1: favorite a Christmas song.
0: Yeah, and that came up in that podcast that we guested on the Christmas episode of Oh, that's
1: right, the Purple Podcast. Which, that's right. Uh, that that dropped earlier this week, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe you should put a. Uh, Little show note that we were guests on the Deep Purple podcast Christmas episode uh 2022. Yeah. So. Yeah, a lot of fun that was. Yeah, it was great. I uh, started listening or watching it actually on the YouTube this morning with uh, my wife, and then she had to go in the other room and work. We'll finish it up later this week. Yeah. So it's a good time. Good folks. All right, this is one of the worst Christmas songs ever, <laughs> and uh, this is number three, "Little Drummer Boy." I remember always wanting, as a kid, liking this song. And there, remember there was a a, a Christmas cartoon, "The Drummer Boy."
0: Oh yeah, there was an animated like
1: yeah puppet kind of thing. Not yeah. puppet, but like claymation, but like stop, yeah, yeah, stop motion. Yeah, yeah, stop motion. And and maybe I like this song because of that i haven't seen that in decades yeah but um i think andy williams oftentimes did this song yeah he did a version yep. yeah.
0: so this one's by the harry uh, simeon Cor- corral uh <laughs> <so> <laughs> I, I, yeah, <laughs> it's getting late <laughs> so this uh made has made the billboard top 100 for the last 14 years um, like now or back in 1971? Um, back in 1971. That was actually okay. what Casey said. Yeah. And that uh, okay. first released in 1958. Uh, uh, Christmas classic was originally a Czechoslovakian song that Catherine Kennecock Davis translated to English in 1941 under the title Carol of the Drum it was covered by the austrian trap family singers
1: of sound of music fame yeah that was on tv last night too the sound of music on the music yeah oh. uh, a decade later they covered that uh but a new
0: arrangement titled the little drummer boy was popularized by the uh this corral here and <laughs> in 1958
1: so yeah i can't believe this is number three I I would think that, you know I yeah. think dragnet Christmas is better than this.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you can't argue with the chart though. In the top one hundred for fourteen years. Yeah, the chart the chart wins.
2: You know
1: and Dancer and Here he is. Again. He's a rich man when he, when he passed. Good guy. So,
0: yeah, there it is. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. This is Dean Autry and the Pinafores. Um, So Casey said, uh, now the song that has sold four copies over 400 recorded versions than any other song in history so, yeah, 400
1: versions yeah,
0: 400 versions yep yeah, yeah. and it's sold Four more copies, copies. <laughs> it's sold more yeah yeah it's it sold <laughs> more copies all over the world because there's 400 versions of the song yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the man who wrote it has two songs in the countdown yeah. uh, Rocking around the uh, the Christmas tree, and this one, Johnny Marks, yeah. and uh, yeah, there was a live animated special back in the '60s that was made. That's on TV still, I think. And didn't Burl Ives do a version of the song in that? Um, yes,
1: Burl Ives. Said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, how did Burl Ives walk in in that show as a snowman? He had no <laughs> legs. Well, didn't it just kind of slide like a Gumby? Well, he's of... kind of like the the <laughs> Noelco uh, Razor. Oh, yeah. Remember
0: those commercials Those back are in great. the 70s? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Noelco. <laughs> <laughs> Noelco. Yeah. So, so quickly, Johnny Marks, uh, when Gail was uh, living in New York, one of the other women living in the building was Johnny Marks' daughter, I guess. Gale oh, wow. You always mention that whenever we heard this song. So.
1: this has got to be you know from the uh stop animation uh what do they call it stop what stop and go what what kind of animation is that yeah uh oh you said it before didn't you Um, yeah no i forgot it a stop motion or stop motion yeah yeah this is this is great with the abominable snowman and and i'm gonna be Herbie the dentist and Uh, and oh yeah it's, it's 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 great, yeah. 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 All it's missing is the Burgermeister. Okay, that's that's the other. That's what Santa Claus is coming to town. I think. Yeah, and and yeah, the Island of Misfit Toys. We (laughs) we we talked about that. that, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) A train with square wheels. (laughs) (laughs) All right, up to the number one song. another uh, Christmas song written by someone of the Jewish faith uh, Irving Berlin yeah but you know what it's it's secular and it's it's for everybody you know a lot of this stuff so.
0: yeah so yeah this is uh, white Christmas by um, and Bing Crosby doing it here and Yeah, Casey said, This is the man who is the king of the charts for all generations by the man that has sold more records than anybody in history. 300 million records. (laughs) And And he
1: hasn't quit
2: yet.
0: Yeah, and 25 million of those records are this song. So this is an Oscar-winning song from the 1941 uh, movie Holiday Inn. As you great said, movie ever see it yeah, yeah i love that movie yeah yep. as you said irving berlin wrote it uh casey went on to say that bing's career began almost half a century ago and, and yeah he's still going today <laughs>
1: yeah. and we would lose him in six years from now in 1977
0: i think yep yep at wow. the age of 74. so per wikipedia at the time we're recording this in 2022 um, this is considered the world's best-selling single in terms of sales of physical media, with an estimated sales in excess of 50 million copies worldwide.
1: Um, one thing I found interesting with one of Casey's comments was uh, they talked about uh, plays, sales of of physical records, yeah, and also sheet music. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I have a
0: note about that. Um, Um, But I want to get to one more thing. They said, um, if you total it all up with other versions besides Crosby of this song that uh, um, were recorded, sales of the song exceed 100 million. So it's like one song, 100 million. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So yeah, Casey said, uh, where is it? Yeah, this countdown is based on 31 years worth of surveys published by Billboard magazine, performance on the bestseller list, airplay, jukebox play, sheet music sales, number of hit versions, and longevity.
1: All right. So you think that would be number one. Yeah. But wait, there's more. What am I? Run what am I, Ron, Ron Popeel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now how much would you pay? <laughs> <laughs> Five easy payments of nineteen ninety-five. Yeah. <laughs> so so Casey went on to say that uh here Bing Crosby's uh, publisher or, or record company, DECA says, You you think that that white Christmas is number one. But oh, no, because before the Billboard charts came out in 1940 or 41, yeah, yeah, 1940, they didn't have things to measure anything. And Decca Records says that this next song is, at this point in time, it sold 50 million copies in its own right. So this is a an old uh, an old carol from the 19th century sometime. And there's that story about during the First World War, um, in the first Christmas. So I guess it was 1914. How uh, the uh, the British soldiers and a bunch of Huns got together and they they met in No Man's Land, and uh, you know. Shared stories and had a soccer game, and traded cigarettes or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Did, didn't uh, the soldiers hear the Germans singing "Silent Night" across the lines?
1: Yeah, the British soldiers heard it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's why they started that Snoopy song with the uh, "Silent Night" because it was World War One.
1: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, um, I'm not. I tried to find though whether White Christmas, um, you know, exceeded the Silent Night, and from what I could tell, White Christmas uh, is is the king, the king of all songs. Mm-hmm. But uh, but certainly this is a, you know
1: a really nice Christmas song.
2: And a
1: oh yeah, perennial and I, favorite. And I don't have the, my uh, my hymnal here. But I believe it's in the hymn, the church hymnal, the Pilgrim Hymnal that we sing from at church. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so it.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have to dub in the German pronunciation. Maybe you could do it, but in German, it's still Nacht, Heil,
2: Nacht, Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht.
0: And it was yeah, a popular Christmas carol composed in 1818 by Franz Xavier
1: Gruber. Not Hans Gruber from that Christmas movie, Die Hard. No, it's Franz. His great, 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 great grandfather. Oh. I thought the same thing when I saw the name. So there we are. <sighs> Merry Christmas, Mark. Yeah, Merry and, Christmas. Uh, and this is a lot of fun. And uh, you know, there's when I let, let's let's see if I can find something to kind of chit chat over this. Uh, what would be a good song when how about one that's long that's not annoying uh, not that one
2: <laughs> um
1: okay here we go let me let me find this one here even though even though I really don't know this one this is a this is a nice one to have in the background but I was surprised in 1971 on how many novelty songs you know i'd say it has to be 15 percent, if not more were novelty songs
0: yeah yeah i i agree and um uh, i sort of tallied up also what songs i was familiar with versus ones that i didn't remember at all
1: yeah so what'd you get
0: so uh, there were 29 songs that i was familiar with but 11 that yeah never heard at all probably don't get played anymore um i i sort of going into this before i looked at the chart i had a you know a a lot of the songs that we see on here i expected to be here there were some that i expected to be on here that weren't but then maybe they they had just been recorded too recent like stuff in the in the 60s um you know a few of my favorites uh, that Andy Williams sings that didn't see on here. Um, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. So, but a lot of a lot of classics and a lot of ones that were covered very successfully by uh, artists even today. Still, still covering yeah. these songs. All
1: right. Well, well. Uh, why don't we get to our our ratings? And you know what? I'm gonna, I'm going to go to my my best song. I'm gonna stop this. And so this was not on the recorded countdown. I found this on YouTube. And this is the Merry Christmas Baby by uh by Charles Brown. Cause uh Merry
0: Christmas baby!
1: Not that I'm a blues guy, I like the blues, but nice. I really really enjoyed this. And uh Maybe because it hasn't been driven to the ground. You know, I think we talked about how other folks have done this, (laughs) but not like this. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: uh, I agree. This is really good, and also like. uh, Yeah. I I I think I always had the concept that this, uh, you know, in spite of other popular versions, that it was something that had been done quite a ways back. uh, Yeah. Done really well. And it's too bad that this doesn't get get, you know
1: airplay. It's good. Yeah, Yeah, it's really good. So, uh, what do we have for Mark Roback's?
0: Yeah, you know, one song. There's there's you know a lot a lot of I, I like Christmas music in general, so. But I, I just always think the, the one that sorta of gets the uh, the blood flowing for me is uh, number thirteen. Which version? Oh uh, I, I like the Boston Pops version.
1: I would agree. This puts you in the mood.
0: It's it's great. And I, I, I love the big band. Stuff and the, the the sound effects in the background and everything. But I will say, I like that Ventures version, and um, the Ronettes version. I also like,
1: you know, the the stuff with the uh, with the vocals added. Yep. Yeah. Now this this gets you in the mood. Yeah. And uh, I can remember watching Arthur Fiedler and the Boston Pops doing this song. It was I think it was their. Uh, Encore or the last song of the show, it was always really well done. So. Yeah. All right, now we get to the stinkers. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And uh, I'm going to go to number 18. Hey, Ricky,
2: what you get for Christmas? <laughs>
1: well, uh, what? <laughs> I'm getting. This is just annoying.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: I, you know, when this was playing too, I was thinking it's—it's it's so, you know, because it's because of its age. you know nineteen fifty-five. It's so innocent, and it's like you know, nowadays it'd be like you know, I you know, I beat up. Yeah, no kidding. I beat yeah. up
1: the crack addict in the. In the you know, crack addicts—that's from the eighties. Give me a yeah. break, man. That was thirty-five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so no. the,
0: we talked about that dirty snitch Neil Sedaka on Kojak. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Uh, I didn't pick this one, but I, I certainly could have. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I have mine. It's also a novelty song. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I went with uh, number thirty-eight. I also find this rather annoying.
1: (laughs) Well, this is Ray Stevens. Yeah,
0: and uh, it's uh, Santa Claus is watching you. Yeah, you said it there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I guess I don't know. There there were, as you said, the novelty songs in this. I, I, I don't
1: think they I don't think they show up. Maybe the chipmunks would. Okay, the chipmunks would.
0: Uh, I do like, uh, I, um, you know, the Yorg. Uh, yeah, I wanted to say Yorg Planer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, but I think York Planer has umlauts over. So. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, cool. But I
0: did, of the novelty songs in the Countdown, that one I liked. Yeah. And, and the Dragnet one is, is kind
1: of fun too. But. But, yeah. yeah. This one, man.
2: Eh. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, tell you what, as we uh, as we roll out of here, let's. Uh, I think it's here. Go, clothes, <laughs> you're watching you. Is that flip wilson <laughs> <laughs> yeah so here's a little here's a little yorkie for you yeah so mark i i, I wish you a very very merry christmas yeah and uh, i hope uh, you have uh, a nice time and, and uh, get calls from people and you see family and uh I don't know, maybe next week we can uh, actually see each other in person. We haven't seen each other since we golfed uh, back in, in person and. In- was that in august so
0: yeah yeah that'd be good yeah yeah, have a beer or something uh yeah yeah yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. sounds good yeah
0: Yeah, i wish the same to you my friend this has been you know this uh how many months we've been doing this now Uh, since what may did we start since
1: since may yeah yeah yeah
0: so this has been been a lot of fun so you know yeah, the, rekindling the some of the fun we used to have at work, I think. Uh,
1: yeah. My family good. is sleeping, so, yeah. so I'm like a Absolutely. Mouse. All right, well, watch, hey, uh, all you folks out there in uh, in, four four uh, in podcast four land, four yeah. Merry, down Christmas down Christmas land yeah, Merry Christmas to you. You can see us at at 70s Weekly on the Twitter machine or 70s Weekly. And we... If, if you want to have more fun at Christmas time, you can uh, see Mark and or see or listen to Mark and myself on the Deep Purple podcast Christmas episode with Rick Scheller and John and Nate. Um, uh, the show notes uh, that you'll see in the uh, uh, in your podcast machine will have that information, and uh, I think you're going to probably repost. Uh, before their tweet dinner, also yes yeah point. so because that was a lot of fun too yeah 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 had a good Long time yeah, yeah. so all right so
0: um i guess we as uh to Casey might say after dinner my aunt taking those sleigh rides and keep an staying home for the holidays
1: And And keep your podcast machine right right, right where it's tuned. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Back in the
4: corner, the radio's playing. And over the racket, Gabriel Heater is saying, Peace on earth, everybody, and goodwill toward men. And just at that moment, someone slugs Uncle Ben. They all run outside whooping so the neighbors will hear. Oh, I'm so glad Merry Christmas comes just once a year. Oh, yes, go nuts at Christmas, but they still have lots of fun. Just the same as you, I enjoy it
2: too. Merry Christmas, everyone.